1: Alrighty, so we are into a topic today on Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing that a lot of people don't like to talk about and it's called taxes and it's called strategies and it's called sometimes the business setup because I know, I know, I know a lot of you just want to write. Well, with me is Carol Topp. She's an author and also a CPA She's got a, over a dozen books, including Business Tips and Taxes for Writers. Um, and she's, she's a frequent speaker at a lot of the writers' conferences I come across. And her her website, you can go to K- Carol Top um, or you at CPA, or you can go to taxesforwriters.com. And so, with that, Carol, welcome to author you your guide to book publishing.
2: Hey Judah, thanks for having me back. You know, well, I'm normally so I talk so glad. about taxes in January, but this is good. September is a good time to talk about taxes because
1: people uh, need to think about it kind of year round. <laughs> oh no, it's it's much actually. It's much better to do it at this time of the year. It's called review time. What do I need to catch up on? What I haven't done, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah. I, I always like to ask. Uh, you know, there's we always have horror stories, um, but we want to really looked at. To, you know, what can we do to really expand um, our, our knowledge base? I think that's critical. We always want to know about snafus. There, there's always rumors about, you know, every time there's a new change in, in government, that, you know, how will that affect the tax situation? As well as, I think that we all, especially most of us, we are um, authors and writers, are working out of our homes. And yeah. so that's going to impact on whether you know do we declare it or not. Home offices, there's sales tax. Mm-hmm. Um, there's how in the heck do we track inventory, and and so much more. So we've got a lot to cover in our hour together today. And and so why don't we just kind of jump in? Maybe with some changes. Let's come around to we we do have a a change in government this year. How does that? Is it going to? Um, do you see any inklings of affecting what the IRS is doing for small-based businesses?
2: Uh, not for 2017, the year that we're in right now. I guess they were too busy. Congress was too busy dealing with Obamacare to really touch the tax code. So we're, we're not hearing much <laughs> has changed at all. <laughs> That's um, a for me. Uh, the, the, the president has a tax plan I. I I've taken webinars on it. It, it. it would be a very serious change, but it's mostly going to affect corporate America, not us, not the sole proprietors, not the authors down here who are not corporations. And I doubt he's going to be successful because it is such a huge change in how corporations might be taxed. So that's all I'm going to say there. So I'd say, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about changes coming up. Things are pretty much the same. Little tweaks all the time, like the mileage raise, gas goes up and down, but that's going to be about it.
1: Yeah, one of the things I do get sometimes concerned about, though, is that the buzz that's out there saying that they're going to turn over uh, tax collection to co- bill collectors.
2: Yeah, they've, they've done some of that already, which as CPAs we don't like because bill collectors, there's not always necessarily recourse. If, the, you, know, if you feel like you've been mishandled by the IRS, there is the Taxpayer Advocate Office who I yes. think all around are pretty good people, the Taxpayer Advocate Office. So we don't like necessarily these third-party collectors because yeah, I'd rather just, to be honest, I'd rather just deal with the person we owe, which is the IRS. Uh,
1: which is critical. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is really yeah. critical. All right, so um, and, and you know, that, that does alarm me because I think that most, when I think of bill collectors, I, I really do actually move to the scum of the earth.
2: <laughs> and they have y they harass so much and you you yeah and that's why in general we CPAs are like no I, we don't you know we're going to help our clients keep up to date so you you don't get behind in your bill payments but um, again, we yeah. I guess the IRS has to do this kind of stuff. They've got hiring freezes. They've got, I don't know. I don't know what their reasons are for sending out bill collectors. But
1: well, you know, uh, I have a question about that. If if uh, knowing about how some of the bill collection industry works, is they go in sometimes for pennies on the dollar to settle some things and to clear out um, on that. So are are, are they going to be in a position that let's say you have a three thousand dollar tax bill? And you say, well, I can only pay a thousand dollars, and that's it. Are they going to do? They, are they have the authority to to cut your tax bill in the half? <laughs>
2: you know, you know that I do not know. To be honest, I was kind of thinking that the bill payers are probably just getting paid uh, uh, from the IRS, but the taxpayer still owes the IRS. There is something called offers in compromise. That's IRS language for for settling. Right. <laughs> Um, You you work out a deal. You work out an offer and compromise with the IRS, and that's what you end up owing. So the IRS does work with folks to say, okay, you can only pay so much, fine. Like a credit card, fine. You're going to pay me over time, though, you know, plus interest. So there already are programs set up to help taxpayers pay their bills. But I don't don't know that these third-party collectors are going to have the authority the IRS has to settle an offer and compromise. I -hmm. think they probably come after you've settled with the IRS and you're just not paying. That's what well, I'm suspecting.
1: Fortunately, yeah, I don't it, have any clients it, in that situation. <laughs> <This is someone's laughs> that's clients. a good thing. Good. Well, you know, I, I I think we should pay taxes. I just don't want to pay more than my fair share that's or that's what it. I owe yeah. Um, yeah. on those things. And so I guess what we ought to say to everyone, you, number one, if you do have a liability, um, before you have the hound dogs at your door that, that, or the pit bulls, is that you should be aware of the, the mm-hmm. offers and compromise situation and initiate it yourself and get going on yeah. it. I, I, well, you know. and
2: I have a client. She just signed a great deal with a publisher, three-book deal, and she's getting very large checks, uh, royal, you know, um, advanced payment checks. And it's very nice, but she's so conscientious to say, Carol, now how much should I send to the IRS now? That's, that's the, well, That's the kind of client I love. Because Mm -hmm. he and I talk about, okay, good, you're being proactive. You're sending what they call estimated payments. And there's this lovely website the IRS set up only about a year or two ago called directpay.gov. You can log Mm. on there and just just pay them so easily. It used to be kind of difficult to pay the IRS electronically. Now you can pay them easily, and that's what she does. And it gives her peace of mind, gives me peace of mind. We know she's not going to owe penalties. You know, she's being proactive and sending in. Well, she's actually sending in about a third of those those uh advanced payment royalty checks she's getting. A third, Judith. That's huge. Well, by the time you have to pay roughly fifteen percent federal income tax and fifteen percent self employment tax, that equals thirty
1: percent. Well, I'm hoping you're helping with write offs. But let's let's move into some of yeah. those other <laughs> issues. Okay. So There's not many write offs for for an author, but yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. But she's got a W two and her husband got yeah.
1: a W two, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, let's let's do that. Why don't we talk about yeah. some of those things that are right offable for an offer?
2: Sure. Uh, you mentioned in the intro business use of the home. I, uh, business use of the home has been around a long time, and people will still ask me, hey, Carol, is that a red flag to the IRS? I'm afraid to take it because I'm going to be red flagged mm-hmm. or they're going to come and audit me. And I have to say, in general, so many people work from home. I work from home. I think you work from home, Judith. It's mm-hmm. becoming so common to work from home that the IRS doesn't spend as much time auditing unless there's really outrageous deduction on your on your tax return. And as a matter of fact, they even made it simpler. A couple years ago, they simplified the business use of the home deduction to just a dollar per square foot deduction, $5 per square foot of the area you use in your home exclusively and regularly for business. That is so nice and simple. We don't have to get our utility bills. We don't look up our property tax, all these things. You used to have to gather to figure out what your business use of the home deduction was five
1: bucks right, so, per square so, foot. Love it. So let's let well let's just say you have a large home and half of it's yeah. used truly half is used. I, I'm actually using myself as an example because we actually have 50% of our home is all offices. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the entire basement is entirely offices. And so okay. you're 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 dealing with 2100 square feet. So in 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 that um, you have that. So if I take your $5 uh, deal, yeah. you're talking about $10,000 a year. There is, there
2: is a maximum that you're allowed.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> all that right. Method. Okay. I can't remember what
2: it is off the top of my head because so few of my clients get there. We don't, they're not using that much. You, you would want to use the old method, the longer method. Okay. And, hey, and Judith, Just to protect okay. yourself, take pictures. You know, here, here's what I'm using. Look, it's really all for business. Because that is a large percentage of your home, and that might be the red flag. But take pictures, justify, you know, what's going on in this space, and you're going to have to use the longer form to deduct your business use of the home. It's over the
1: max. Well, so everyone be aware of that. I mean, you know, we have conference rooms. We have individual offices for uh, employees that are here and people who come in and do um, intermediate work, you know, independent contractors that, we, that come. I mean, we just, we have we have things, we have workshops and everything, right. and it's and you're all not, here.
2: You're not the typical author, though, are you? I mean, you're running a real, a, a large business out of your yeah. home. You're not yeah.
1: typical Yeah, I'm author. running a real business, yeah. 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 yeah, so that's what's going on. All right, so so method A is there is a maximum amount. So if you have square footage, which makes it easy-peasy, it's five bucks per square foot. It's got to be exclusive, so that doesn't mean your dining room yeah. table. People, no, nope. no, <laughs> okay. that's, that's that's right. That's off the table. But if you have an exclusive room, this is your writing room. This is your whatever, or you may you may have a suite of rooms that mm-hmm. you use. Okay, that's when it comes into play for you. And but you've got to figure out what the max is. And um, yeah, I think nice. it's about three
2: thousand dollars a year. That would be about six hundred square feet. That's off the top of my head, but I think that's about
1: right. That sounds. That cool. actually sounds reasonable. Yeah. So that would be 600. That's your multiplier um, on those things. So there's a thought for you to do that. All right. So mm-hmm. if you go the long way, um, you're going to – this is where you really do need, in my opinion, a CPA in play. And that mm-hmm. you, you're going to be looking at your depreciation. You're going to be looking at yes. your utilities and all that other thing. Yep. Is that not correct? That's right. And your
2: CPA is going to ask for lots of information like – Yes, those utility bills. What improvements did you do to your house? Was it your whole house, like a roof, or was it just the rooms we used for business? And then uh, they're going to ask a lot of questions. But you know, probably it's going to be worth it for you to keep those, you know, utility bills. Let's take
1: a quick break. (laughs) I missed it. This is off you, your guidebook.
4: impressions are everything in the world of book publishing whether your book is an e-book a print version or both your book cover needs to pop sizzle and sparkle to immediately capture the attention of your audience and your book's interior needs to be just as dynamic and reflect the professionalism your readers demand nick selinger of NZ graphics has won numerous national and international book awards for his cover designs and interior layouts with over 20 years of experience in graphic design, he knows what it takes to create award-winning books and the many promotional pieces that authors need, such as posters, banners, postcards, one-sheets, business cards, logos, and more. Visit nzgraphics.com and see what authors and publishers have to say about their award-winning books and how NZ Graphics can make your book the success it was meant to be. That's nzgraphics.com.
1: Well, I got caught up in, in our talking about the home deduction because that's certainly something that I'm going to do. We, we we moved last year. We built out the, you know, we, we gutted the entire house, but we built out the entire basement for offices. So, and, and if you came into my offices, you clearly would say, this is an office. You don't live here. You, I mean, there are no beds mm-hmm. here, <laughs> down, down mm-hmm. in here. And you're you're seeing more and more people actually buying condos for office space. Um, but they're That's saying awesome. that number of people who work from home run their businesses in excess of five million now. I'm just mm. kind of playing around with that a little bit. All right. So with that said, that the home office deductions. What other deductions or common deductions that we would be looking for and th- need to be keeping track of, Carol?
2: Okay. Well, first of all, I want to tell folks over at my website taxesforwriters.com, dot com and four spelled out like the word. I have a, a short ebook where I talk about common deductions for authors. Okay. Mm. So things like going to a writer's conference. You know, I was just at the, a writer's conference. And, of course, there's expenses of hotel, mileage, the conference itself, things like meals while you're gone away from your tax home. Uh, stuff like that, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we could, we could talk about mileage, uh, mileage. Uh, you have to record your mileage. You have to keep a log. You cannot estimate, oh, I think I drove so many miles. No, you have to keep a log, mm-hmm. log of the date, where you went and log, meaning I put it in an Excel spreadsheet and I pull up my Google calendar to say, where'd I go when? And I pull up Google maps and I say, how far was it to go here, there, you know, for, for business purposes. And and then I just keep a log on the spreadsheet and about every, well, if I'm good, every three months. But actually, in reality, about every six months, I sit down and I update that spreadsheet with where have you gone? How many miles did you drive, Carol?
1: Mm-hmm. So so are you su- are you suggesting they keep like just a little log book in their car? Uh, no, of- I
2: like electronic better. You know why? Because it adds. You're not going to lose it. You're going to save it. And they could if they really had to, but I think most of us use some kind of calendar. So I just go back and then look at my calendar and say, Where did I drive? What was for business? Um uh, again I you you can keep the log book in your car if you want to, but um it's not a great backup. It you know, can be lost, can be gotten can get it wet and all of a sudden your data's all blurry, you can't read it. Right. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. like I like spreadsheets, but then again, I'm a CPA, so I like spreadsheets for recording my data.
1: Okay, so we have car mileage, and of course, you, you mentioned traveling because I go to writers' conferences, publishing conferences as well. And so, what kind is there a standard deduction that they have, or is do you do um, specifics here for uh, the mileage? Is there like a per yes. diem? No, I'm talking about food yes, and things like that. Is there diem. kind of a per diem floating around?
2: Yes, there is, and that's, that's a really good point. If you are away from your tax home, okay, your tax home is the word the IRS uses, uh, meaning you, don't, you can't get back home to sleep that night. Yes, you can take a, a, a standard amount, and it's dictated, and it changes every year a little bit by the, by the IRS. I believe it's about 50 $51 a day, mm-hmm. but some cities are more expensive than others. Okay, Mm -hmm. so if you go to Denver, for example, I bet it it costs more than fifty one dollars a day or you can deduct more than fifty one dollars a day for meals. But but that's a that's the base rate uh, except for high cost areas. So, yeah. So I go to um, Muncie, Indiana for a conference and I'm gone three days on the day I leave. And the day I come back, I can only take three quarters of that fifty one dollars. But the day I'm there and I'm there the whole day. I get to deduct $51 for meals, and I love that because then I'm not keeping little receipts. I just, on my spreadsheet where I keep my mileage, I also say, here's the city I went to, here's the meals, that mm-hmm. or the per-dm rate, the per-day rate I can take for meals and incidentals,
1: mm-hmm. and I love
2: it. And that really adds up, Jude. It's much more. I can't eat $51 a day. Um, well, I'd look different if I did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but, but you know, I mean, so, I'm going to say, I, I mean, it. I have some travel days that it takes me all day, yeah. literally all day yeah. to yeah. get. So and then your yeah, hotel yeah, so is the actual quarters. cost. Would yeah. that be correct?
2: You can take the actual cost if you want to. And especially if you don't leave your tax home. But, you know, you're having you're having lunch with an editor. You're having some sort of business uh, arrangement and it's over a meal then you can take the actual cost of that meal. But if you're traveling away from your tax home, definitely look up those per diem rates. And again, I have a a link over at Taxes for Riders where I talk about, you know, meals. Just put in meals in the search box or something like that. And it'll lead Mm -hmm. you to the government website where you can look up, you know, put in the name of the city you're going to and find out what your meal deduction is.
1: Well, that's a terrific idea. So, that TaxesforRiders.com, everyone, and then, and then click over, or you just you can even do a Google search, per, you yeah, know, and go just Google and search. just yeah. Just put
2: in per diem even. I think it's the Government Services Administration GSA.gov, mm-hmm. probably that has those per diem rates.
1: But that's just really a good tool for everyone to be tuned into. Um, oh yeah. You know, and, and of course then, then there's out of the country, but that's a whole other animal. Oh, All yeah. right, so your hotel would be actual cost, correct? That's correct. That's correct. Actual costs for the hotel, including taxes, which add up. Right. But and the
2: then, meals, you can take either actual or you can take that per diem.
1: All right. So in transportation, if you're flying, training, boating, I guess, Yeah. Um, yes, you, you have that in yeah. play. So, Those are actual costs. Or if you're going to drive, yeah. you know, you I go to I wouldn't bother to take gas. Do you
2: keep track of your gas, Judith? I don't. I always use the mileage. Probably 99% of my clients use the mileage, the mileage. mileage rate. You just keep track of the mileage where you drove.
1: And that's 54 and it, cents. Is is that correct, it, a mile?
2: It, you know, it changes a little bit every year. I think we're at 54 and a half. It, it, it goes up and down. I can't even
1: remember from year to year. <laughs> Look at me. Okay. So, so here's, bit. you know, yeah. And, and I so I think just keeping up. track strictly miles, put it in, you know, put in your calendar and, as Carol's suggesting, do a spreadsheet um, and yeah. then just drop it in and then you've just got it. Um, yes. and, and you can, you know, play around with it a little bit.
2: You know, but, on my website, where well, I already said it before, but taxes for com, I have a free spreadsheet. I created it for an author friend of mine in my writers group. And then mm-hmm. I thought, what the heck? Why didn't I put that spreadsheet out there? And for anybody to use. And now some of my, my author tax clients use this spreadsheet to just the simple way to keep track of stuff. And in there, there's a column that says mileage, and they will record. Okay, this month I went here, and I can see, oh, yeah, he had a hotel, he had mileage, and then we discussed, do you want to take your actual receipts? Do you want me to look up the per diem rate?
1: Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this, Carol, because, I mean, authors and writers, there is a difference between the two of them. Writers are writing about all kinds of different things, and authors are focusing on their books, yeah. Um, I mean, a magazine writer doesn't think of themselves truly as an author. It's a different gotcha. animal. Um, yeah. So, in, in what I am wondering is the old-fashioned mistakes. What are some of the common? Let's just go through some of the mistakes that are that are triggers.
2: Hmm. I think uh, again, being a tax person, I'm going to go to the tax return. I think it's n- putting the wrong. The, putting your expenses in the wrong place on the tax return, and that mm. can trigger something. I, I had a friend of mine who was, who was a, an author, published, published author, and she didn't understand the concept of cost of goods sold. So when she would purchase books to resell, she put them on the tax form under supplies. It was a big number. Triggered an IRS audit. So out wow. of the mistakes, it's not <laughs> understanding that yeah. where to put the, that information on the tax form, it's why I, why I wrote that short ebook about what deductions are they, and why I talk to people like you to try to explain
1: this to authors. There's a right way to place to put things. Mm. Okay, so so I guess what we're saying is not only doing your tax returns wrong, but maybe maybe just bad record keeping might be one oh, of the yeah. other common mistakes.
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah. And and you know, I like it as much as possible. I tell my clients, please have a separate checking account for your for your business and if you're a writer and or published author, you're in business, set up a separate checking account. Maybe it can even be for free if you keep mm-hmm. enough balance in it or something. Then you know all these transactions are are you know, my business deductions and it's easier to prepare your tax return. If they're all mixed in with your personal it's it's hard to remember was that personal was that business and 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 detangling it is going to be expensive. Either you're going to pay your CPA to do it, which is expensive, or you're going to spend hours detangling your personal and your business life at the end of the year.
1: Mm-hmm. Not a good idea. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I'm going to go back to your um, your author who didn't understand cost of goods, <laughs> and that sure. kind of thing. Oh, it was bad. Uh, yeah, and, and 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 called it a supply, and so she might have eight thousand dollars in supplies, and that's a lot of little notebooks. Um, that that which isn't going to be it's a, it's going to be a, a trigger very quickly um, yeah. uh, on those it's kind it's of similar. things. Cause it's just disproportionate um, yeah. on it, so that and one of the things I know that we've always done is we do an annual inventory. Exactly. Yay,
2: Judith. That's exactly what you have to do. <laughs> in order to figure out your cost of goods sold. I think this is one thing I have to explain to to authors. Just because you you spend $8,000 buying books, if you still have some in your house, you can't deduct all $8,000 because we no. can only deduct yeah. the cost of the goods as we sell them. So the IRS makes it relatively easy. They give us a, an equation on the back page of the Schedule C, the Small Business Income mm-hmm. Tax Return. But it's mm-hmm. mostly based on you're doing an inventory count, Judith, just like you said. Count the inventory, what's it worth? Not what what you paid for it, but that means you, you got to do a little math, but, you know, your accountant or bookkeeper can help you do that. Um,
1: okay, so we're going to take a quick break, Carol, and I want to come back. I do have a question about because cost of goods, you know, printing is really easy to figure out, how many books have yeah. been sold. But there's also, a, you know, are we going to put in our cost of of the cover, the design yep. of mm. editing, no. etc. Let's come back and we'll talk about that, and then move on. This is author you, your guide to book publishing. With me is Carol Topp, CPA, and we're talking taxes for writers and authors.
5: want to publish like a pro today well then take a look at Ingram spark the only publishing platform that offers print and ebook services through a single source upload edit and manage titles all in one place take more control of printing costs with print- on demand and reach even more readers through one of the world's most extensive distribution networks built by independent publishers for independent publishers Ingram spark has everything you need to maximize your book's potential color printing ebook distribution print on demand global reach and more start publishing with ingram spark today and see just how far your titles will go tomorrow that's IngramSpark.com.
4: many of us have dreamed of writing a book
5: some of us even have
4: then the hard work starts
5: You'll need an editor.
4: Who will design the cover or typeset the pages? Who will format the ebook? If you're a business owner, consultant, or coach with a serious message and expertise to share, the team of experts at 1106 Design can guide you through the maze.
5: They've helped more than 1,000 authors create top-quality books and avoid the not-so-reputable
4: self-publishing companies. Learn more at 1106design.com.
5: Then call Michelle at 602 602- 866-3226-1106-DESIGN.
3: When Ned Thompson and Harry Shore started Thompson Shore in 1972, they believed employees with great character would make up the best company. They were right. They hired people who were not only experts in bookmaking, but who were obsessed with quality and delivering exceptional customer service. Almost 40 years later, Thompson Shore remains a 100% employee-owned company. Ed and Harry knew that successful customer projects are a direct result of empowered employees. We specialize in all books for large and small publishers. Creating beautiful and well-made books, we're dedicated to pleasing our customers by making the experience a good one from start to finish. The personal touch we have with our customers allows us to be innovative in solving their most difficult challenges. Our platform also ensures that we can remain flexible to meet our customers' unique needs and expectations. Our marketing kit can create buzz for your title enhancing the promotion of your book during infancy. When you need to test the market to gauge your future sales, we can provide digitally printed books that will transition seamlessly into a larger offset run. From ebook to hard copy to delivery, our skillful customer service teams are at the ready to answer your most pressing question. At Thompson Shore, we know that making the highest quality books requires more than just best technologies. It requires superior customer service, professionalism to the trade, and commitment to environmental and social values. With these standards of excellence in place, you can be sure that we will always help you put your best book forward.
0: Publishing. everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask coming up you'll hear more about statistics scenarios and strategies on what to do now to get you published so let's get back to the show and here again is your host dr judith briles
1: all right so we are talking taxes i know no one likes to talk about taxes but you know what but besides death it's it's there it's it's there <laughs> You know, and so are wrinkles, by the way. All right. So with that said, (laughs) um, that one of the things that I think is really important to understand is that on the cost of goods that Carol was talking about, so she's just recommending that you, when it comes to printing your cost of goods in your inventory, so if you had, let's say, you printed a 1,000 books and you sold a 100 of them, so you sold 10% of them, and the cost of your printing was let's say 2000 so let's make it you know easy numbers to play with mm-hmm. so and you sold 10% of them then you're going to be able to deduct $200 did i do that right carol i think you got it right i
2: think okay. normally we go on the
1: per price of the book yeah. so and and whatever shipping's involved book and you sold 100 the, of them yeah yeah whatever shipping's involved that's what you're going to play with yeah Um, On that, but it's the cost of it. Mm -hmm. It's not your retail. I mean, if you sold them for $10, then you're and you sold those, you know, those 100 books, you're going to be claiming $1,000 in revenues. But your offsets include, you know, you've got cost of goods to take down, which was of of those 100 books. Like and whatever it. shipping is incurred yeah. now, Carol. There's also something is, if it was, if this was edited, uh, as self-published, uh, independent published, you're going to have some other expenses, which could be, you know, will be cover design, could be editing, it could be some book consulting, it could be, you know, certainly the layout-related cost mm-hmm. if you hired mm-hmm. out for that. So we expense that fully. Is that correct? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and what you mean is we put it in a different place on the tax return. It's it's uh, probably contract labor. You hired somebody, they worked under a contract, like an editor, or just uh, under miscellaneous book production mm-hmm. costs, something like that. And they are deducted in the year that you spent that money. Cost of goods sold, as you can imagine, if you're buying a thousand copies, it could take you several years to sell those.
6: So Let's that's trubbled out not.
2: over <laughs> several years. But we deduct the the expenses of the editor and those other things you mentioned in the year that they are
1: spent. All right. So we're going to be upside. You could be upside down, meaning that your mm-hmm. revenue is going to be less than your uh, gross expenses. Expense. Yeah, on no, that.
2: definitely. Especially in the early years. Sure. with With writing and getting a book published, you know there's a lot of startup expenses, a lot of upfront expenses in the first year or two. And, um, unless, unless you get a publishing contract, you you know, um, but you're talking more about the self publisher. Yeah, I have, I have a client. He's, he's in his third year. He's, he's putting out books uh, regularly. And he said, Carol, I think I'm finally going to make a profit in his fourth year. Mm -hmm. So
1: yeah, that's how it happens. And, and that how that is how it happens. OK, so let's do I'd like to do a transition because one of the things I mean, when you um, that a lot of times it's to talk about your client who is just I mean, the fourth year, I think I'm going to make some money this year. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And a lot of times when people are doing that is that um, they, they don't take much money out, if anything, on that. Uh-uh. So uh-uh. How, how how do we handle this?
2: Um, yeah, I, I, I will have some clients, um, who will talk about paying themselves. I'm going to, even the, even the word make money, <laughs> he, he's making money. He's not making a profit. So in his business checking account, he has a separate, he has to keep putting money in to keep it afloat. Okay. One year, if he's successful and he's got, a, he's got extra money in that business checking account, he can draw some out in accounting. It's called an owner's draw he can draw mm-hmm. some of that money out, plop it in his personal account and then he spends it however he wants. But he is not quote paying himself. He doesn't give himself a W2, he doesn't give himself a paycheck. Okay? Sole proprietors have to pay taxes on the profit, whether you draw it out as an owner's draw or whether you're going to leave it there in the business checking account. You pay profit, you excuse me, you pay taxes on the profit of the business. What you quote pay yourself Draw out as an owner's draw. That's not a business deduction. It's merely a transfer of money from your business checking account to your personal checking account. It's not a business deduction. <laughs> so okay, so well paid. All right, paid.
1: so let's let's, let's 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 let's. I'm going to get into the visual ledger here. Yes. All right, so let's say that you you've sold. Uh, well, let's say that you've sold twenty thousand dollars. No, let's just yep. ones and zeros. So ones and is so much easier. Let's say you sold ten thousand dollars in books, yep. um, and that you figured your cost of goods. You know, you let's yep. say you've already paid upfront for the design, the editing, all that stuff, and okay. that your your ten thousand dollars in books represented um, let's, see, let's say let's say a thousand books at ten dollars each. Okay. Trying yeah. to keep ones and os going here. Yeah. All right. Yep, yep. I'm with you so far. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so we got going. This is where I start running into trouble. All right. So so we we have ten thousand. We have the cost of goods was let's see. So we do a thousand and let's say two dollars a book just for the heck of it. So that's two thousand minus. We yep. So we have a true cost is that's a that's a deduction. Now we have this little thing called the owner's draw over here. Right. All right, so the so owners you draw. Have
2: profit, you have a profit of $8,000, pretend, okay?
1: With gross profit. dollars
2: in sales minus cost of goods sold of 2000 You have a profit of $8,000 that year. Mm-hmm. If you didn't spend anything else, which you probably did. <laughs> now, yes. he can decide, I'm going to leave it in there because I've got, you know, I don't know, big plans for my business. I don't know what. Or I'm going to draw out 5000 He draws out $5,000. 3000 is left in his business checking account.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What is he what did he report to the IRS as his business profit, Judith? 8000 or the only the 3000 left in the checking account? He
1: reports 8000. Yes. Okay. So,
2: what about the 5000 he drew out? Where does that get recorded on the tax return? Well, that's a
1: good question.
2: It doesn't get recorded on the tax return. It's merely a transfer between checking accounts
1: owned by the same person. So he, so this person, all right, so this is where you're going to play people here. So this person is not going to be declaring this as a 1099 or a W-2, so therefore correct. Social Security is not coming out of it, correct? That's right. He just transferred
2: money from one of his checking accounts, his business checking account, to his personal. And we don't have right. to report to the IRS when we transfer money, right? <laughs> no. Okay.
1: No, right. you don't. So then we, here's what you need to weigh, everybody that that this is where your your taxation so if you left the money in your your corporation um and you and you've got a profit that means you're going to owe some taxes correct carol yeah yeah okay so we're going to owe some taxes
2: i was just talking basically a
1: business checking account but yeah go ahead you get the concept down yep yep So, let's understand that. So, you want to verify, okay, so what's going to be the taxes at the end of the year, you know, that is going right now. First time you're hearing this is in the, you know, we're moving into fall. Um, mm-hmm. And so, we're at the end of the two seventeen uh, final quarter. We're moving in the final yeah. quarter. All right. And yeah. so, you've, you've got this, you know, profit, bravo. And you want to do a comparison of what the taxation is. At the corporate rate, your, your, or whatever that business rate's going to be, versus mm-hmm. if you had taken it out and paid your social security tax, both sides, and then declared it on your personal income. Did I get that right? Mm. Well, help me that's out.
2: Tracking you there because okay, let me tell you. Let me let me go back and say, if this business had eight thousand dollars of profit, mm-hmm. they're going to owe two taxes, and that's what you refer to the income tax, which we're all pretty familiar with, and roughly most of us pay 15% income tax. Most of us are in the 15% tax bracket. So that's just a good rule of thumb. Then uh, as business owners, we also owe self-employment tax. That's the both halves of Social Security and Medicare that you referred to. That's also Mm -hmm. 15, Mm -hmm. 15. 15.3 to be exact, but 15%. So that's why I said, uh, I think I said on air earlier, I have a client with a, a big advance check from her from her publisher and she's, and she's, putting, she's 30% putting 30% aside so if this if this person made $8,000 profit 30% he owes $2,400 in taxes now he's going to put that on his tax return with probably his personal maybe his spouse's w2 that kind of stuff okay but maybe that's why he's going to leave $3,000 and it's just his checking account because he's maybe going to say, hey, because I'm going to owe taxes on this. or I, Maybe I'm going to send in $2,400 now at, at this quarter. So, you know, I'm
1: not shocked come April 15th at how much I'm going to owe. So, All right. So when someone takes an yeah. owner's draw, yes, it does. When someone takes an owner's draw on it, is this from a, a, a just Schedule C? Is this from an S-Corp? Is this from a C-Corp? Is it from an Um, LLC? What are we doing here?
2: I'm talking about sole proprietors who own their own businesses and then they file Schedule C. S-Corps, if you're an S-Corporation, you should be talking Mm -hmm. to your CPA, but typically they get W-2s. Corporations, you're an employee of the corporation, you typically get a W-2, a salary. I'm talking about 90% of authors who are sole proprietorships and file the Schedule C with their personal income tax return. But they should think of their business as being a little bit separated from their personal lives, like managed separately in terms of like a separate checking account. And that's why I say that's what's called an
1: owner's draw and it's not what it.
2: you All right.
1: Right. Because you're just transferring oh. money to your personal life when you have a profit. All right. woof! right. All right. We're going to take one more break. <laughs> 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 we'll be right back.
3: shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and a guide to partner with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so, or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand, and is a financial success, a bestseller. It's your choice. You choose. You need the book shepherd. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You don't need problems; you want solutions. Dr. Judith Briles will shepherd you through the maze and the chaos. At times, she's had to step in and rescue a book—a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher or by a publishing service provider—or sometimes even the author themselves. Judith Briles is the book shepherd. If you want to create a book with no regrets, give her a call today. Three zero three. 885-2207 that's 303-885-2207 or email her at Judith@bryles.com at by the way Briles is spelled B-R-I-L-E-S follow Judith on Twitter at My Book Shepherd and on Facebook at The Book Shepherd
4: One of the most important decisions you will ever make is your choice for printing your book. You are choosing a company which will be responsible for guiding you through the process and printing your book at a level of quality and detail that embraces your personal and creative needs. You want to choose a company that when your book finally arrives, you are delighted and ready to move on to the next level and one that is customer focused. Choose King Printing Company and Addy Books to be that company that brings you to the next level. Go to kingprinting.com or call 978-458-2345 and ask for Tom Campbell.
0: Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Riles.
1: All right, taxes. I'm exhausted. Okay, so here we go. There's a couple of things I think that authors always ask about, at least for me, what do I do about sales tax? Yeah. Well, I'm going to be, you know, you know, you're you're in your own location, or what yeah. if I travel out of state? What if I go to special mm-hmm. events? Um, help mm-hmm. us out, Carol. And with me is Carol Top. She's a CPA that specializes in working with authors and writers.
2: Yeah. So I had to devote a whole chapter of mm-hmm. of my book, Taxes: uh, Business Tips and Taxes for Writers to sales tax. And even then, Judith, it is so state specific that, that I couldn't mm-hmm. get too in depth, even though I devote a whole chapter to it. Sales I know. Tax
1: is, <laughs> it, it is complicated. I so know that, Carol. you
2: know? Yeah. I, I hate dealing with sales tax mostly because uh, you were, you are collecting money for the government to turn over to the government and it's usually low dollar amounts and you have to do lots of paperwork. To send somebody
1: else money,
2: so all around it's really annoying.
1: <laughs> it's horribly um, annoying, and sometimes it's just for a couple of bucks, and it costs exactly. you far more time and energy yeah. um, in that. And, and just as a story to set in, I had spoken three years in a row in Puerto Rico um, okay. as a you know a guest speaker. There and there was a fee affiliated with each one of them and there was advertising and stuff and and I always actually um, You know, whatever whatever conferences we were I always reported all credit card sales all check sales and all cash sales it was always reported and it, When I was paid at any conference, I it was always reported, uh, you know, yep. speaking fees and, and and Puerto Rico was no different well the third time I was there these men in a black suit showed up, Carol, mm-hmm. during lunch. Yeah. And they, they said, you cannot leave until you complete a personal tax return for Puerto oh Rico. My gosh. Oh, and my gosh. And they had instructed my host to withhold, I think it was 800 or $1,200. Oh, yeah, person. Yeah, I I I I mean I I, I was I, hostage. I, hostage. Yeah I I've
2: got I've got a similar story. I was in South Carolina though, so not even overseas. South Carolina, I was speaking at a conference and they had, you know, a vendor hall and selling my books, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So two agents from the South Carolina Department of Revenue are walking through the vendor hall wanting to see your your out of state, your transient vendor license. And if you don't have it, they shock you with a bill. Okay? And Anna, mm-hmm. I've been in some states where you have to pay your sales tax like Puerto Rico before you leave the state. They're oh, at the yeah. convention. Yeah, it's <laughs>
1: yeah, that, crazy. I was
2: shocked. <laughs> if, if I go back to South Carolina, I get the privilege of giving them fifty dollars to register as an out of out of city, out of state vendor for the privilege of collecting their sales tax and paying it to them. I've haven't been back to South Carolina because I want to give them fifty bucks. Hmm. I was just well, in Nashville I, selling at Opryland. It was over a hundred dollars I had to pay for the privilege of being in Opryland to sell my books. It's I and this,
1: yeah, anyway. yeah. So you start thinking, okay. So if my book, what does your book cost when you sell it? Oh, fifteen dollars. Okay, so yeah. fifteen dollars. So that and you're now you're going to start thinking, hey, if I only sold ten books,
2: yeah, it's not worth. And I it. get
1: a hundred and fifty dollars. Wait a minute, my cost of books. I might as well just give them away.
2: (laughs) Sometimes my husband said, why don't you just go and take orders there and ship from home later or, you know, give them a a 20% off discount and they got to order online because then I don't have to deal with sales tax. Well, some states say, Hey, you took, you came into my state and you took orders. That's enough for us to collect sales tax from you.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I had that experience. I've had that experience in Nebraska and Utah. um, that, 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 it's stiffer, and then I've had others where it's just never been a big deal. I mean, we've always reported it. I know. I get yeah. it. You know, I get it <laughs> that yeah. they're after it. Yeah. But when you're dealing with most people who are selling books, they're not ta- They're not selling hundreds and hundreds of books at events. Doesn't
2: matter with sales tax, Judith. They want they nope. want their sales tax on the first book you sell.
1: Uh, oh no, I get that. Yeah. But uh, you, yeah, just, you you really have to yeah. do the weighing. Yeah. Of it. So one of the we, yeah. one of the ways we got it in, like you're saying that they you had a requirement, like in South Carolina you have to have fifty dollar whatever that is. We started putting in our contract if there because we always had books that if there's any taxes due, that the host was responsible for them, and I donated back anywhere from ten to twenty percent of all sales. Wow. I just I did a walk away, and that cleared the deal. Number one. They didn't come for them. They had extra money for their foundation, for scholarships, yeah. whatever they want. And two, I did not have the headache. That was my solution, Carol. That's nice.
2: Well, you're also Judith Briles. <laughs> I couldn't. I was, well, I was one vendor in a huge vendor hall. I couldn't negotiate oh. that kind of stuff. But, you know, um, the the one thing I have done sometimes is I do a lot of work with nonprofits. And sometimes the nonprofit has sales tax exemption in their state, sometimes not. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. sometimes i will say, Dear nonprofit, you sell my books and mm-hmm. then 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 the purchasers don't have to pay sales tax and I give the nonprofit like you said a little bit of a of a of a yeah. not, I want to say a kickback, but a discount. But in general most most of the folks listening to us today are gonna if they travel out of state, they're going mm-hmm. to have to apply for a transient vendor license or a temporary vendors license. They're called different things in different states. Um I go, I go to one website called taxjar.com and they have good information on what each state requires for sales tax when you come
1: into that state to collect their sales tax and have submitted to them. Okay, so that's Another a great idea. Cavalera. Yeah. Excellent. So taxjar, J A R. Right yeah com and find out yep. if you're traveling or sailing or you know me, you may be putting your books in the in the trunk and driving around the country. I mean, I've had clients that do that. Yeah. And they so to do you
2: with every locality. And you know, here I'm i talking from Cincinnati, Ohio, and Ohio, we have different tax rates in each county. Do you know, of course. County We right? do too in or Colorado. Two
1: yeah every, everyone so let's talk about that i mean I, you know, we would not have a huge amount of time here but i think it's very important to understand that if you are going to offer your books your books um here that that you want to come back and take a look at um uh, what's the cost? So you need to start yeah. with the city you live in. Number one, you're going to have a state sales tax. Te- most you know, most states have a sales right. tax. What is right. it? Then you need to go right. to the county you live in <laughs> and see what's going to go on here because you may have to have a business license in that county. Yep. Yep. Right. So what do we need to come into play? And then they're also, like in Colorado, I know that they have some special event. you have a special event license, you can buy for, uh, it's good for, it's like 16 bucks. They can last for mm. a couple of years. You know, okay, that could go in and cover if you're moving around. And people, those of you who are thinking about selling at craft fairs or like it's, mm. you know, when you come out the summertime, when they open up, you know, those kind of events that move around. And if you're selling there, you need to get, it is, is figure out what the licensing is for that, just so you stay out of deep doo-doo. I'm just going to recommend it.
2: Yeah. Yep. You know, I, I guess that's why, in general, it's nice if you can sell your books wholesale to to somebody else.
1: You, you know, yes, it's and let them take it over donations. and let them do it. Offer them yeah. a special deal for that, and and I've yep. often done that. Or, as I said, when in my speaking contracts, I always made a donation back, and I had that they would be, you know, you responsible go. for their taxes, and that just that just eased my pain a lot. All right, so now, one other thing. You, yeah, you, you
2: know, if you're selling on Amazon, they take care of sales tax.
1: You probably see yes. it
2: now. Amazon's starting to charge sales yeah. tax in more states because they're in more states now. Um, and they should. But if you're yeah. selling via PayPal, like if you buy my book via taxesforwriters.com, mm-hmm. um, the book on business tips mm-hmm. for taxes for writers, you're going to click a PayPal button and you're going to pay me via PayPal. I have to set up PayPal to collect sales tax from you if you're in Ohio because I'm sitting mm-hmm. in Ohio.
1: Correct. And I, mean, I do it I for Colorado. Collect, yeah.
2: Right. Right. So but you gotta make sure that you have set up your you know, your, your payment uh, portals like PayPal with to collect sales tax from any state that you are sitting in. Yeah.
1: And and PayPal is becoming more and more a common tool to use and they're getting more and more sophisticated with variables that they offer. Um, including right. swiping, swiping that goes right in, you know, your credit card on your smartphone, swiping yep. will go right into your PayPal account, which I think is kind of cool, and I think they're competitive. Yeah. All right, last but not least, we have like a minute and a half. Talk about hacking, book hacks.
2: Ah, well, I think I, wrote, I said it already. I think, I think if possible, please set up a separate checking account for your business, especially by the yes. time you have, you're dealing with inventory or more than two books or different prices on your books. Um, there's one that's free, it's called waveapps.com. Wave, like those, you know, wave your mm-hmm. hand, apps, Apps.com. It's simple accounting software. I'm not sure it's going to handle inventory very well, but it might be okay for most authors. Or at least download the spreadsheet that I mentioned earlier over at taxesforwriters.com. So separate checking account, use either software or please use a spreadsheet to help you keep track of your income, your expenses, your mileage, your purchases so you can calculate cost of goods sold.
1: Yeah, because get it everyone as we wrap up publishing authoring is a business. So please yeah. treat it as it is. Carol yeah. Top, CPA, thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. So everyone, it's all through you your guide to book publishing. Here's to your writing, your publishing. And, and just success and get ready for big season next month. October is the number one selling season for books. We'll see you next week. <laughs>